So as far as I can tell, I was born homeless in New York City in 1977. I don't know all of the details. This is just stuff that I learned as a child and growing up. This is what I knew about the beginning of my story. It was a hot summer, summer of Sam, New York, and that's where I started. That's where I came into the world, and that's the beginning of my life story. Now, I've learned since then that the story that I'm part of extends a lot further than that many years before that. I'm not going to go into that part right now, but I am going to say that my story is part of a larger picture, and that's something that I learned as an adult, and I'm going to explain to you in this episode of the Hyper Memoir Podcast what I mean by that. So as I've done this podcast, if you've been listening to the previous nine episodes that I've posted, you'll know that I've talked a lot about creative voice and sharing stories and why that matters. And so in this episode, I've decided to share mine This is a story where there's been a lot of pain and a lot of loss in this story, but I've learned how to turn the whole thing into something positive, and that's what I'm sharing with you today. This is a story that has been difficult for me to live. It's been a story that's been difficult for me to process, but I feel like at the end of it all, I've been able to turn it into something positive. So that's what I'm going to explain to you after I tell the story and explain to you at the end of this. So once again... I'm Chris Valdheims, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast, where we talk about finding and developing your creative voice. So today, getting a little bit more personal, I've um, talked about how it's so important to share stories, and I've realized that while I've talked about a lot of aspects of creative voice, and I've dropped bits of my story here and there into different episodes, so if you listen back to the previous episodes, you'll kind of get hints of what I'm talking about, but I've never laid out the entire thing for a variety of reasons, which I'll get into in a moment, but I've never got into the entire story of why I'm even doing this or how this whole idea came to be or really the events in my life that led me here. And they're interesting. It's an interesting story. It's a story that's actually still unfolding, but I'm going to give you what I have to date. And what I'd say before I begin is if this story resonates with you in any way, I'd invite you to join the mailing list. This is linked in the show notes, so you can check out the mailing list. It's the Hyper Memoir mailing list. I tend to send it out at the same time that I send out these podcast episodes, and I go a little bit deeper. I'm developing the mailing list into something where I can share more resources, more insight about the things that I'm talking about on here, and more than that, you'll also get information about when new podcast episodes are posted. So definitely encourage you to join. So A lot of what you've heard on this podcast so far is episodes, sorry, on the previous episodes are lessons that I've gained from my experience and lessons that I've gained from the story that I'm about to tell. So really to understand those lessons and understand why I talk about that stuff, you have to hear the story. So I've extracted these lessons, but I've also, what I've come to realize, and this is also part of the whole point of this podcast is Sometimes the stories stand alone. Sometimes the fact of the stories and the emotions and the experience and the human lived experience that stories can tell us and that they can teach us, they can almost stand alone. And I'm always into extracting lessons from things and seeing what kind of value we can pull from it. But there is a time, I think, for just telling the story. And that's what I'm doing here. So let's get into it. I mean, I've never got in deep to this. And, you know, one of the things I'll also say is that. Um, it's been uncomfortable to share this. There's been a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the story is very emotional. There are a lot of emotions tied up in this whole story. Shame, 
grief, the fear of sharing too much, the fear of judgment. And I'm also committed to sharing despite those feelings. I'm committed to moving past those feelings, feeling them, but also sharing what it is. And I've written a book on this whole story and this whole topic, so I'll get into that later in the future. But this is just, I guess, a teaser or a introduction to what I'm talking about. So I could do 20 episodes on this story and still not run out of things to say. It's been sort of a mind fuck for my entire life. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do you even tell a story like this? I'm the only one I know who has any story that's this complicated. It's unique. I mean, I know that other people have stories that are complicated. Mine is definitely not the most complicated, not the most traumatic, not the most anything. It's just my story. But there are a lot of people who have similar stories. And one of the things that I hope in sharing mine is it opens things up for other people who have a story that they want to share too. Because I think that that's a big part of healing and processing these things that happen to us is to share the stories. So yeah, so it's been hard to share. And I didn't think that it was important. I didn't think that people would care about it. I felt uncomfortable taking up the space. So the high level view is this. If you kind of go back to where I started, um, I sort of say the genesis of the story is being adopted when I was seven years old. So as I mentioned in an earlier episode about my name change, I talked about how I changed my name at age 45. That's because when I was adopted when I was seven, my name was changed. It went from being Chris Valdheims, which is the name that I was born with in 1977, to John Tobin, which is a fine name, and I get into that in the whole earlier episode. But Chris Valdheims is my actual birth name and the name that I was born with, so I decided to go back to that. Now, the thing that happened at that time, so I was adopted into a family, Tobin family. I had lived in foster care for a few years before that. And um, before that, I had been separated from my mother. So this was, if I have to go into traumatic events in my life, I'm going to put that one as number one. So my mother and I were separated when I was five. Uh, we still exchanged letters when I was adopted. That went on for a little while. It stopped for a variety of reasons, which I'll maybe not go into now or maybe go into in a later episode, whatever. But the point is, is at that point, my relationship with my mother, my birth mother, had been really mediated by social workers and my adoptive parents. So we really didn't have much of a connection after that. And my ties with my family of origin were cut in essence. It wasn't necessarily intentional, and I'm not going to impute malice to anybody involved. That's just what happened. That was the impact of being adopted. And unlike a lot of other people who are adopted, I was adopted when I was older. So when you're most adoptees, I'm going to say, are adopted as babies. So they don't have a memory of their original family. Now, I remembered my original family. Um, I grew up with them until I was five, as I said, and even in foster care, my mother and I visited. So the foster care was fine. I'm actually really fortunate. So I lived in the same foster home for two years before I was adopted. It was an Italian family in Somerville near Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, they were great. They had a bunch of teenagers and they really took me under their wing. They took care of me. And the reason I mention that is because for a lot of people, foster care itself can be really traumatic. There's a lot of really great foster parents out there. And anyone who is a foster parent and doing it right 
I really salute you because there's a lot of kids who need a home. There's a lot of kids who need care. And there's a lot of kids who come from pretty horrific backgrounds and foster system, despite its imperfections, might be the best choice. But anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because those experiences can really vary. Some foster care uh, stories are great. Some are bad. Like I said, um, the experience itself wasn't terrible, but I was terrified because I was cut off from my mother, cut off from my family, didn't know what was going on. It was tough. And um, that's where I lived. I lived there for two years, like I said, from age five to age seven. And when I was seven years old, I was adopted by the Tobin family, which is where I got my, um, I guess, name that I went by for a long time, John Tobin. I got it from them. Uh, the father in that family was a radio DJ. So that was kind of interesting. He worked at a lot of radio stations. And as his career grew, he went to bigger and bigger cities. And that's how we ended up in Los Angeles. I would actually go to the radio station with him as a kid and spent a lot of times in radio studios, which is interesting. I learned a lot, learned a lot about audio and this and that, you know, I helped my dad's, my adoptive dad splice tapes and all that. So I had a good time. Um, for a while. Um, things got kind of rough in that family. Uh, there was a divorce. There was uh, a lot of problems, I would say. I mean, not a ton, but you know, a certain amount of problems that kind of made things rough for me. And I always felt out of place. I felt disconnected from my birth family. And I always had this feeling of wanting to know more. But as a child, the information wasn't really forthcoming. Um, there wasn't a lot that I could know. And there wasn't a lot that was shared with me. And again, I'm not saying that it was anybody's malice or mistake or anything like that. It was also the 80s. It was a time when I think in adoptions, people weren't as quite as enlightened as they are now, I hope, where I think a lot of times adoptive families would feel that there had to be some sort of clean break from the birth family. And if that is true for a baby, that, I mean, that makes sense. I think it was a little bit different when you have an older adopted kid. So for me, all I'm trying to say is that part of my life story was growing up feeling really disconnected from my roots. I was also um, in the high school that we went to. It was sort of a well-off suburban high school. I was one of the few black kids in the area. So that also really set me apart. And I just remember feeling a lot of disconnection and disorientation in high school in middle school, in all of these formative years. And there, it was interesting because it forced me to find my own way. It forced me to develop my own person. And although that was painful, I'm in a way grateful for that. Not grateful at the time, but I think it really enhanced my creativity and my ability to fend for myself and figure things out for myself. But that came with a lot of trauma. Now, what I did know about my birth family was that my mother had come from a country called Latvia. If you've never heard of it, I'm not surprised. It's a tiny country. It's on the Baltic Sea, Northern Europe. You can look at a map if you're interested, but um, that's where she came from. And I didn't really know what that was because at the time, this is in the 80s and 90s, actually, yeah, really into the 80s, um, Latvia was part of the Soviet Union. So although it was ostensibly an independent country, most people haven't heard of it because it was part of the Soviet Union until the early 90s when they got their independence after the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, what I knew about my father is only this, um, that my mother, who had been working as a librarian at MIT, had met him at MIT. 
So in uh, my social worker, really, she put together this sort of history of my life up to the point of adoption, just so I'd have it. My social worker at the time, she really just said my father was a handsome black man that my mother met while working at MIT. So he was a black scientist who had been working at MIT, who had been studying at MIT. I'm actually not going to go into that right now because the story there is super complicated, super deep, and I haven't really confirmed all of the facts. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's been a mystery that I've kind of unraveled recently, but it's also a sort of sensitive topic. So I'm not going to go into that, but I'm just going to say that that's where I came from. So I had this feeling of disorientation. And fast forward to early adulthood. I went to college. I dropped out of college to work for internet companies in the late 90s and early 2000s. And during that time, you had Google and you had these internet companies coming up. So I started to become obsessed with searching for information about my family. And so early Google, um, it allowed me to connect with resources and places where I'd put my family name in. I'd do that over and over and I wouldn't really get many hits. I'd put my mother's name in. I'd put my grandmother's name in who I knew. And I would get some things here and there. Uh, my grandmother had lived in Florida, so I'd get information about, yes, that she owned property in Florida. Or um, I'd find a lot of unclaimed property databases because one of the things, and you might be asking, and I realize I didn't share this a moment ago, is that my grandmother passed away in the 80s, and then my mother passed away in 1995, or at least that's what I was told at the time. I hadn't really confirmed it for a while. I know that's weird. But um, yeah, so my family had passed away, and um, I didn't know anything else about the other members of my family, and I'll get into what I learned later, but the I didn't have any connection with my family. So everybody had passed away by the time I had reached adulthood. So I didn't have any family I could turn to for answers. So for me, searching the internet was the only way I could possibly hope to connect. And for a long time, the process felt really hopeless because I'd find the same things. I'd find unclaimed property databases. I'd find lists of addresses, but I didn't really know what year. And I didn't really know if, if that was currently where anybody lived. And I didn't really know what to do with that information. So I, was, I felt like I was going on a circle. I felt like I was just going on this over and over a circle, where I was continually learning more of the same stuff over and over again, but nothing that told me anything about where I came from. So a turning point came in 2009. And this is the thing that I think changed everything for me, because now I finally got a sense of the story that I was part of, that my family had lived through, and explained a little bit about why I was adopted and what happened to my family and what they had gone through before I was born. And there was a lot. So as I said, 2009, I was doing the search. And I don't know, it was actually of New Year's Day in 2009, I was doing a search and I think Google might have updated something. So I typed in my last name, Waldheims, and I had gotten actually my grandfather's first name. I had found a database, I think a few weeks before, or a few months before, that listed my grandfather's name. And I didn't really get much from it. It was actually this weird kind of hint of, okay, though, I got a first name was my point. So I won't go into what I found there quite yet, but I got a first name of my grandfather. So his name was Zanus Waldheims. Now the thing was, I had been searching for Waldheims with a V, 
interestingly and weirdly, and there's actually a lot here, my grandfather spelt his last name with a W. So Waldheims with a W. So in a way, maybe the German version of Waldheims. So that was our family name. And so the name Waldheims is actually the Latvianized version of Waldheim, a German last name. So Google told me when I put in the name Waldheims, it says, do you mean Waldheims with a W? And I'm like, sure, I guess that's what I mean. I clicked the link that Google gave me and bam, this is where things turned. This is where I learned so much more about my family because I found a website that one of my grandfather's longtime friends had constructed. He had made this website dedicated to my grandfather. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is the place. This is where I learn more because on the front page, and I'll put in the email list, I'll put a link to that site so you all can see it and check it out and go there and all that stuff. And I'll even put pictures of what I found, et cetera. This is, this is really cool stuff. So I go there and the website says, welcome to the website dedicated to Xanus Waldheims, artist, thinker, and philosopher. And it had a whole grid of images, these colorful I guess you could describe it as mandalas that my grandfather had made. So the front page, a bunch of images of the artwork. I click in there. There's a history of my grandfather. So it talks about actually my whole family history. So it talks about how my grandfather had been born in 1909. So over a hundred years ago and exactly a hundred years before I discovered him. So it talked about how my grandfather had been born in 1909 what kind of life he had lived in at that time, it was the Russian empire. And then in, uh, it was, uh, independent Latvia. So he lived through world war one, world war two. And then in that story, of course, I saw my mother's name. It talked about how my mother was born in 1938, right before world war two. And if you know anything about that region of the world, world war two was pretty hectic there. We're talking about the Eastern front, Those of us in the West don't know a lot about it, but that's where most of the fighting happened. Those of us in America, especially in the West, we know about D-Day and we know about the Western Front, which was brutal. And we had a lot of people lost there, but the Eastern Front was on a different scale. This is the scale of millions of people. Now, I've talked in previous episode about darkness and how going into the darkness matters. That's why I did it, because I learned a lot about my family and I learned what they had been through the struggles in World War II. So anyhow, um, yeah, they had seen the worst of the war and I learned about my grandfather. So this is actually now I began to learn, okay, there's more to the story. There's a lot that happened before I was born. And, you know, I wasn't just sort of created out of the either. Um, my mother hadn't given me up for adoption or into foster care for no reason. Now there's still things I don't know about how that process happened and I'm figuring out and I'll be sharing with you in future episodes of the podcast for sure. And in the book that I wrote for sure, but there was a lot that I was learning. I learned about the family history going back. Um, I'd say close to well, a hundred years before that, you know, with the birth of my grandfather. Now, What had happened with my grandfather, and I'll probably do a whole episode on him, but I just wanted to touch on, and like I said, I'll put links in the show notes to my grandfather, Zanus Waldheims. You can Google him, and like I said, I'll put links to the site and to his artwork, but he became an abstract artist, and so he had a whole system that he developed of philosophical geometry, and I know we're getting sort of out there, but that's just what happened. That was his mode 
of processing the trauma of the world wars and of having to flee Latvia and having to flee his country and having the family break up as they fled. They lived in refugee camps. They came to North America. My mother and my grandmother went to Michigan. My grandfather went to Montreal, Canada. And my grandfather spent the next 40 or so years essentially by himself. I mean, he had friends in the Latvian community there. It's a small community. And he had this friend, Yves Janson, who's a French-Canadian gentleman who I've had the pleasure of meeting not after, not long after I found this website, and he's become a friend, and he's been great. Like I said, I'll talk more about him and that whole situation later. But the reason why this is significant to my story is because then it opened up the world. Then it raised so many questions to me, like, what had happened? Who are these people that I came from? What had they been about? What had they gone through? And the way that I started to learn that is by studying my grandfather's art and my grandfather's thinking. So his whole system of philosophical geometry was a way of him to find orientation in the world. And as I mentioned at the beginning here, what I lacked was orientation. Now, I'm not going to say that my grandfather's artwork gave me that, but it did kind of help me understand. And like I said, too complicated to get into his system in this episode, but I'll just leave there that I will. I will discuss what it is exactly my grandfather was up to, and I, I'll actually bring on people who can comment more deeply on it than myself. But for me, it was the beginning of sort of getting this orientation after living through this childhood with dislocation and disorientation and not knowing anything, all of a sudden the fire hose was turned on. And that actually was really overwhelming. You'd think that, hey, you found the jackpot. You've learned everything you need to know about your family and their history. Shouldn't you be satisfied? Shouldn't that tell you what you need to know? And while I learned on an intellectual level, there was something missing. I actually had to go through a lot of my own experience, given this information that I learned. It got me moving. It got me to start processing and start feeling and start learning about where I had come from, at least from my mother's side. And in this, of course, as I said, the rest of my family had passed away. So I was the sole survivor. And one way I sort of think about it is that the darkness claimed my family. So the darkness of World War II, of the 20th century, of the Cold War had claimed my family. So I'm the only survivor. Now, in the years since, I've met a lot of distant relatives who have filled me in, and I go into that in my book, and I'll go into that in other podcast episodes, but this is something I had to do alone. This is something that I had to uncover myself. I didn't really have someone I could turn to and say, hey, tell me the family story or tell me what your experience is. I had to figure it out. So it was a journey. Uh, the process, I would say the main process of this took nine years. Um, during that time, I went back to college. Like I mentioned before, I dropped out. I went to law school and I started a business. But I always felt like there was something wrong and that something was holding me back. So that is what got me on this journey. So after finding out about my grandfather in 2009, I started to dig deeper. I started to search. I started to research. I started to look for relatives or any kind of scrap of anything that I could put together in the into a story. The journey took me to Canada, to Germany, to Latvia, Lithuania. I connected with relatives in Germany. I connected with relatives in Russia. And all that led up to an experience in 2018, a transformative experience. There was actually an art exhibit of my grandfather's art in Latvia. So that had sort of brought everything full circle. His art had been in the Latvian National Museum of Art. I'll probably share that on the mailing list or somewhere else, you know, if you want to look more into that. But it was a transformative experience. And I think that 
getting to that point is what brought me to this journey of healing that I feel like I'm on right now. Uh, I went through a lot. Life wasn't easy growing up. But my goal has been to turn this into something that's valuable, not just for me and not just for my children or my family or those close to me, but also for those of you out there who have gone through something tough. I want to let you know that you can go through these things. You can go through tough stuff and you can come out the other side. I'm not going to say unscathed because you won't be. You will be scathed. But you can also learn how to transform. You can also learn how to change things. So a big part of me, and this is why I'm sharing this story, and this is why I felt compelled to share this story. And if you're still listening, I salute you and I appreciate you. Um, A big part of my healing has been to share this story. So here we are. And I'll sort of end and I'll get more into the story and the whole story of, you know, what happened after I found out about my grandfather. I'll talk more about that. I'll talk more about that in later episodes, but I really wanted to dig into this stuff beforehand. I really wanted to talk about what I had experienced growing up in this episode. And as I've said, there's a lot of pain. Um, I did not come through it unscathed. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of trauma, a lot of loss, a lot of feelings around this whole thing. And as I would feel this pain as an adult, even until recently, even until now, I'm not healed from this, but the question that comes up and the question that I would be exploring and that I'm currently exploring and that is driving me forward here to even make this podcast or do anything like this is when you have this pain, when you have this kind of history, and for those of you who have pain and history in your family or personally, Often you come to the question of, what do I do with this? I have all this tragedy and I have all this pain. What do I do with it? And the answer that came to me and the answer that I came to, and your answer might be different from mine, but this is my answer and I'll share it with you now, is to transmute it, is to take the lead that we've been given, to take the tragedy that we've been given and turn it into gold. We want to turn it into something golden that can help other people. We want to turn it into something golden that if there's someone else out there who's experienced something similar, that they can learn. And they can learn that even though there's pain and tragedy, things can be all right. And I'll tell you right now that my life is all right, that things are okay. Yes, there's healing I need to do personally, and there's things that I need to learn personally, but you can come out the other side okay, that your life isn't over, that there's nothing that you can't recover from. It's going to take work, and it's a hard journey. But I think that when we learn to transmute that pain, there's a lot of power in that, and that's what I've been feeling. There's a lot of creativity in that, and that's what I've been feeling. There's a lot that we can offer others, and that's what I've been feeling. It's sort of like the process, a Japanese process of kintsugi, which is where you take a cracked vessel and you put it back together. Instead of putting it back together and hiding the flaws or hiding the cracks, you embellish the cracks with gold. You've probably seen pictures of that or heard of this, but imagine a teapot where it has a big crack in it. And instead of just putting it together with glue and trying to hide it, no, you put golden glue. 
so that everyone can see the crack. And that is what the essence of this is, about transmuting those cracks, transmuting that pain into gold. So I'm going to stop there. Like I said, that was a lot for me to share. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you listened through. I hope that this story resonated with you in some way, and I'd love to hear it. If you join the mailing list, then I can probably communicate with you about that. You know, we have stuff on Instagram and other places. Check it out if you like. You can just look for Hyper Memoir. I'm sharing more and more there, and I'm trying to get the word out. I'm trying to share this story more because this is my gold, and this is what I have to share. And my thinking is there's people out there who need to hear what I have to share. So if that's you, great. I hope that you're getting something out of this. If it's not you, maybe you know somebody who would get something out of hearing my story or hearing about the things that I share. And we'll get more back into the lessons about finding creative voice. But this story, and I think when I've talked about creative voice, I've talked about how important it is to do things like own your story and share your story, because that's what's going to set you apart. That's what's going to make you a unique creative voice is by sharing what your experience is. So I'm Chris Valdheims, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast. And thank you for listening. This has been a personal story, and I've really enjoyed sharing it with you. Hopefully you enjoyed listening, and I'll see you on the next one. We're going to be going more into stories like this. We're going to be going more into lessons about how you can find your creative voice. And I thank you for listening because it's helped me to get better and better. It's encouraged me. And my goal is to make this podcast one that you can really enjoy, really get into, and really helps you. So if you're listening, if you've emailed me, if you're connecting with me, thank you.